Good morning. It is good to uh, be with you guys today. I'm really excited about what you guys are doing as a ministry um, with uh, Samaritan Purse, all the kids you're helping. Uh, but I think we're being scammed. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm at all black churches, all the kids on the video is white. They got it down pat, man. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Sometimes that just gets away with me. It is a privilege being with you guys, and uh, no one uh, feels more love from John than I do. I love your pastor very much, and I thank God that we had the opportunity uh, to meet this weekend, I was down, and I have to apologize to you guys for um, we had books for sale, and they all sold out last night. So you should have come last night. <laughs> it's a story about my cancer and uh, the privilege that I have uh, with God to walk through cancer, uh, because God trusts me enough to give me cancer, and know that I would not take my eyes off of Him. And so that was the story, and I'm sorry that uh, it's sold out. It's called Hope is Contagious. And what I would do, if you would like some books, we'll just ship some down uh, next week, and you can hopefully have them next week. And if not, you should have come last night. <laughs> and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being our God, and thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word. Thank you for the blessing, Father, of thus saith the Lord. Move your servant that you may say whatever to whomever. For those of us who need comfort, Lord, I pray you would comfort us. And for those of us who need conviction, I pray you would convict us. For Father, this is your word. This is about you, and we praise you. And we thank you. And we thank you for that our lives will never be the same because we will hear your word. In your son's most holy, precious, and glorious name, we all say, praise God. Thank you. At Antioch, we say praise God at the end of our prayers. So if anyone says amen, we know they're visiting. <laughs> I want you to turn with me to Esther chapter 8. You know Esther, the book of Esther, that book that you spend lots of time doing devotions in. Very seldom do we do devotions out of the Old Testament. Have you noticed that? We are a New Testament church. But the Old Testament truths is New Testament realities. And the truth of the book of Esther is about God. It's not about anyone really in the book of Esther. It's not about how they honored God in the book of Esther. It's not about how they praised God and how they walked with God in the book of Esther. And you have to ask yourself, why is the book of Esther even in the Bible? God's name is not mentioned once in the entire book. Not once is God provoked by his believers, by his followers, by the Jewish people. Every Judas in Persia where this book of Esther is taking place, Shushan is the name of the city, everyone is disobedient to God. When God 
freed the Jews by Cyrus. Cyrus rebuilt the city and sent them back. Isaiah chapter 45 tells us that story. What God was going to do some hundred and some years later out of Isaiah. That none of the Jews went back. Many of them, excuse me, all the Jews in Shushan didn't go back. Many Jews did go back to Jerusalem. And isn't it amazing that prayer isn't mentioned? They talk about fasting for three days, fast for three days. But nothing even said that they were supposed to fast and pray. So why is the book of Esther in the Bible? And I believe it's simply because it talks about the faithfulness of God regardless of how his children are. And my challenge to you today is going to be based upon, do you really believe God is faithful? Do you really believe what the Bible says? Or do you just really play games about you saying God is faithful, God is true, God will take care of you? When God gives us a promise, I will supply all your needs. Do you really believe that? Because we have a, we got a tremendous problem in Christianity. And that is we have a very difficult time understanding the difference between God's promises, our needs, and our wants. Can I have an amen? You see, if you really believe God so much, it's very easy to figure out a difference between a want and a need. Because God says, I will supply your needs. So if you pray about something and God gives it to you, it's a need. If he doesn't, it was a want. And you can just praise God. Wow, thank you for teaching me that that was a want. But not us. We are uptight because we want God to count our wants as our needs. God is faithful. He is so faithful, it's unbelievable. The book of Esther proves it. Totally rebellious, not honoring God not worshiping God, not bringing God's name up, and he saves them all. Not just the Jews that is in Persia. Got 127 provinces under the king Xerxes. That's the king now that's going on in the book of Esther. Darius, Cyrus, Xerxes, Nehemiah's under Artaxerxes. And you can see the flow of how God was faithful through all those men and women. And you don't see here about Mordecai, leaving Persia until Nehemiah leaves in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, some 28 years after the book of Esther. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely. Now, you white people are going to step up. <laughs> I know it's early. I'm not a Christian to 9 o'clock. Just became full of the Holy Spirit right now. So I had to wait until the Spirit hit me. But you guys are going to have to wake up because this is some exciting stuff. Can I get an amen? amen? We know what the whole book of Esther is about. It is Haman who becomes the number one man after Xerxes the king. Mordecai, who is Esther's, not her uncle. Most people think he's her uncle. He's not her uncle. He's more of a brother to the uncle a cousin Esther is, you have to look at that relationship and it kind of throws you off. But what he did was he raised her when her dad died. 
And when he raised her, he became like a father to her. And King Xerxes' wife, Vesti, some people want to call it Vesti. You can call it whatever you want. I'm correct. <laughs> Queen Vesti decided that she was not going to go and see the king when he called and asked for her. And now women back in the day was not like women of today. They did not have very many rights at all. Amen? None. It wasn't until God's Bible came along and anyone that believed in Christianity rose and brought women to the point of where they were today and that it's a freedom and equal to us as men in the aspects of their essence. Roles? No. Essence? Yes. And one of these days we're going to do I get together and do a relationship deal that I've been trying to get down, trying to get through all my uh, treatments and everything so we can get back down here and we can do that. But it's a major difference between essence and roles. When it comes to essence, we're the same. comes to role, there's submission. Just like God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in essence, it's the same. But when it comes to role, there's submission. Can I get an amen somebody? And so here it is that he is submitting under Xerxes. Mordecai is Esther's daddy basically and he brings esther after vesti vesti is eliminated she wouldn't come the king said that's it they said well get rid of her we'll bring all the beautiful virgins in you choose the one you want esther and mordecai goes against god's will again the king picks esther and he is a pagan he's not a believer she wasn't supposed to marry him she ends up marrying him now god uses that but that's because God is sovereign and God is faithful. And he can use us in spite of our sins. We may have to make sure that if he can use us in spite of our sins, what do you think he wants to do when we're not sinning? If he's going to be faithful while we're in our sins, what do you think he wants to do with the faithful? He wants to turn loose the power of God through you like no other time in all the world. Like no other time. Now, Mordecai makes Haman really angry because he won't bow down to him. And since he's the number one man under the king in, in control, he's not going to only get Mordecai. He's going to kill all the Jews. All the Jews in all 127 provinces. That also means in Jerusalem. All the Jews that are left, everything. If they are under the Persian king, Haman wants them dead. And so what he does, he gets the king to sign it, eat it. You guys ever heard the law of the Medes and the Persians? Ever heard that statement? The law of the Medes and the Persians means it can't be changed. And if the law comes along and the king says and signs it and is stamped with his signet ring, that is law. Even the king can't change it. And that's what Haman got King Xerxes to do. And when he got that, he decided he was going to go ahead and kill Mordecai. So he built the gallows overnight. You know how tall that gallows was? 50 cubits. That really just rings high with all of us, doesn't it? Oh, a cubit. Yeah, that's how we measure things here in America. 50 cubits is 75 feet high. Now, just to get you to understand how high that is, the roof of this facility 
it's probably about 25, 26 feet. The gallows that, <laughs> that Haman built to hang Mordecai on was three times higher than this roof. Can I get an amen? He wanted everyone to see him, and he wanted that boy to really die. <laughs> one of the guys I was preaching this, one of the guys come up to me and asked me, says, hey, pastor, uh, can you tell us uh, how long was the rope? I said, you are a sick man. <laughs> I think the thing we better do is get the ushers to watch you. I laughed because I thought that man, you know, he's being fun. I guess I'd be fun. The gallows was 75 feet high. The rope was probably 76 feet. <laughs> we, we're going to make that last foot rough. So he goes and he plans he's going to kill Mordecai on the gallows. Queen Esther intervenes from the great statement from Mordecai when he says, how do you know that you're not for such a time as this? Greatest statement in the entire book of Esther. Esther stands up, goes to see the king, because if you go to see the king without permission, you can lose your life. Esther says, I want you to fast for three days. I go see the king. She does. King's acceptor. She walks in, says, I want you to come to dinner, you and Haman. And sure enough, she sets that up. Well, the day after the, the big to-do, several things happened. One, the king couldn't sleep. And he had his buddy read all of his history of what's been going on in his kingdom. And he realized that Mordecai had saved his life by turning in his two stewards who was trying to kill him. And he asked, what have we ever done for Mordecai? And the steward says, well, we've never done anything for him. He said, well, we got to do something for him. I mean, he saved my life. And he says, well, you know who's out in the front gate? It's Haman. So why don't you call Haman in? And he probably could tell you what you ought to do for a man you want to honor. So Haman comes in. King asks him, Xerxes asks him, hey, I want to honor a man. What do you think? And Haman thinks he's talking about him. So he comes up with this elaborate celebration. Get your finest horse. Get your finest robe. Get your finest crown. Put it on the man. Have him go through the streets. Have the people know that you're honoring him. And the king says, wow, I like that. Because he said it in person. I like that. Says, I tell you what, Haman. You go and do that to Mordecai. Now, none of us was there, but I got it on video. <laughs> Haman lost it. He lost it. Ah! And he goes and he honors Mordecai, and he is so depressed. When he comes home, he just want to kill him. And his wife says, go ahead. She says, you know, you, you better watch out. Now that the king has honored him, you can't hang him. And that night... The king had insomnia, couldn't sleep, read about Mordecai, and remembered Mordecai. The next day, he says, you honor him. That night, he goes to dinner with Esther. And Esther tells him that Haman has come up with a plan to kill all the Jews, and she reveals that she's Jewish. At that particular time, Haman probably realized a oopsie. And the king says, 
who is trying to do that? She says, Haman. And the king says, verse 10, chapter 7. You got it? Verse 10, chapter 7. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. King's wrath was, but Esther wasn't. She wasn't through. Isn't it amazing how unfaithful as they were, God intervened and protected them because he had given a promise that he would protect his people. One based upon their merits. Your life and my life is not based upon our merits. It's based upon a God who is righteous, good, loving, eternally. Now, if God can do that for the unfaithful, how many of you in here have the audacity to think you have the right not to trust God in everything that he wants to do with you? How many of you have the right not to believe what Scripture says about God and what he wants to do with you and I? Do you know how many of us turmoil, how many of our problems, how many of our unselfishness, well, I should say our selfishness, how much of our worry leads to not really trusting God? You know why I know Christians don't really trust God? Because you're complaining. If we dealt with complaining in churches the same way we would deal with adultery, we wouldn't have anyone in the church. Especially in the pulpit. Can I get an amen, somebody? I know I'd be out of there, boy. If we believed and dealt with worry the same way we would deal with adultery, we wouldn't have anybody in the church. Everyone would be disciplined. I wish God would use what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes as a time for the bat. The time for love is the time for the bat. Can you imagine if every time you sin, God hit you in the head with a bat? It'll be a lot less sin. Or everyone would know because they're running around and let me feel your head. <laughs> I feel 10 new knots on your head, boy. So we see that God comes through, I mean, major for Mordecai, for Esther. Look at verse 1. Chapter 8. And on that day that King Ahasuerus, it is Xerxes, another name for Xerxes, give the house of Haman, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther the queen. Not only did God save them from Haman, but God turns around because Haman is extremely rich. Haman pays for the army to go out and kill all the Jews out of his own pocket. Equivalent to today, some $22 million he paid for them to go kill the Jews. So can you imagine when they hung him on his own gallows that he built overnight to hang Mordecai? That God turns around and give all of his riches and his house to Esther. I, what I call a God. 
and unto Esther the queen, and Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off the ring that he had taken from Haman and put it on Mordecai. Now Mordecai becomes the number one man in the place of Haman under the king Xerxes. Do you trust God enough to trust him to do what he wants to do through your life? Make it through your life. And show you how good he wants to treat you if you just trust him. If he would do it for the unfaithful. If he would do it for those that don't even provoke his name. If he does it for those that is living in sin. Because of his promise that that is his people. What do you think he wants to do for you? Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea? understanding of the love and the protection of God. And if you walk out of here the same way you were when you walked in here, you got a hard heart. Want me to say it again? Or would you like for me to just drop it? Want me to drop it? I won't. You got a hard heart. <laughs> oh, I tell you, this is some good stuff. He took off his ring, gave it to Haman, um, that, from, that he'd taken from him, gave it to Mordecai, and Esther, check this out, set Mordecai over the house of Haman. What if you was Haman's family? All of a sudden, because Haman's wife told oh, honey, you ain't got to put up with that. Kill the dude. She said it in Persian. Kill him. Go ahead, kill him. Kill him. You had to put up with him. You're the number one man under the king. You got guts. And now all of a sudden, the fellow that her husband was going to kill is over her house. Make you want to go. Hmm. Want to do it with me? Make you want to go. Hmm. Verse 3. And Esther spoke yet again before the king, fell down at his feet, besought him with tears to put away the mystery from Haman, the Agagite, and his plot which he had devised against the Jews. And man, one of the reasons why I didn't preach the book of Nehemiah was all those Jewish names. You ever read the book of Nehemiah? There's all kinds of names in there that nobody in my neighborhood had names like that. The people in my neighborhood had names like that. They'd be beat up every day. <laughs> hey, Aggregate, come over here. I want to slap you. <laughs> I kind of figured you come to a name you can't know, just speed up and say it with authority. <laughs> Everyone think you're smart. <laughs> All of them's dead. They can't say you're saying their name wrong. Amen. So Elsa comes back to the king a second time without being invited to ask the king to do a favor. And that is, you have to eliminate the law that Haman had signed to kill all the Jews. Do you believe, if you've ever been done wrong, 
that you need to defend yourself. You know how many marriages is messed up because a husband or a wife feel like they got to defend themselves? Children think they got to defend themselves against the parents, parents against children. You know how many Christians can't have any rest because they're so afraid that someone has done them wrong is going to get away with it? How many of us lose sleep over people trying to get the best of us? Your boss. Do you believe God's greater and stronger than your boss? Most of us don't. Let's be honest. See, most of us have more, more peace if our boss came up to us and said, don't worry, I will supply all you need. You just do your job. We have more peace with a man saying it than God saying it. You think God is more stronger? More stronger than that. Oh. Man, my southern knees came through on that one, didn't it? Do you believe that God is stronger than the economy? Most of us don't. Do you think that most of us believe that God is stronger than who's president? Most of us don't. See, right flat out. You can relax. I do not like our president today. He's not good for the country. He's not good for God. Not good for Christians. I got mixed emotions about the first black president. I should be the happiest man in the world. I am not. I got mixed emotions. You know what mixed emotions are, right? It's your mother-in-law just went on the cliff in your new Cadillac. God was, is God stronger, guys, than what makes you worry, fret, fear? I would be ashamed if I would let anything consume me more than my God. Are you really a believer? Or is it just in name? What do you think believer means? Elsa asked the king, please change the edict. And then guys, if you know anything about Elster, she is a looker. Can I have an amen? The girl was a 10 on the rector scale. And she knew how to dress too, girls. When she went to see the king, she didn't go in there with rollers in her hair. <laughs> Cream on her face. Not a nightgown, but an evening gown. Can it have a name? 
Well, he's just going to have to like me the way I am. <laughs> go ahead. Go in there just the way you are. Get, get your head cut off. Whoa, what's that? Kill him. <laughs> she was smart. She knew how to go in. She knew how to deal with the king. Guess what you and I got to be? We got to be smart. We got to know how to go in and deal with the king. God Almighty. We got to go in humbly. Please change the law. Anything you want to do, please change the law. He says, I can't. It's the law of the Medes and the Persians. And the law of the Medes and Persians cannot be changed. But God gave him wisdom. He said, I tell you what, since Mordecai is ahead now, so you and Esther, you and Mordecai, Esther, write a new law to contradict the first. And what he did was give the Jews the right to kill anyone who was trying to kill them. Isn't that amazing? Up until that law was written, the Jews could not have self-defense. If someone walked in to kill them, that was the law, and they had to submit to being killed by anyone who came in to kill them because of the king's law. But because they rewrote the law, first time in the Persian kingdom, they had the right to self-defense. And boy, did they do a good job. Guess what? You and I have the right of self-defense. Many men come to me, and they go, Pastor, I understand you own a gun. Go, no, I don't own guns. <laughs> this is what I thought you was a Christian. I understand you even got dogs. I go, yeah, I do. And none of them, none of my dogs are Christians. Don't you trust God? I, I do. But God says, be wise as serpents and tender as doves. Not everyone that lives in this world is controlled by Christ. You have a right for self-defense. But you never do it out of spite. You trust God. I'm going to close in a couple of verses for you. Because many of us don't like to look at the God of the Bible completely. We like to only look at that part of him that is just love. He's he died for everyone. And you heard that lie that's being perpetrated in the church. Love the sinner but not the sin. You ever heard that one? Maybe you've even used it. Do you know that that's not a biblical truth? Do you know that that did not come from Christ? You know where that came from? Gandhi. That's the same from Gandhi. I've read from Genesis 1 1 to Revelation 22 21. I haven't read Gandhi yet in there. <laughs> well, God says you do love the sinner unless they will not separate from their sin. If they don't separate from their sin, you treat them along with the sin. 
and you don't have anything to do with them because they won't repent, especially believers. You turn your back on them. Oh, what kind of God is that? Let me show you what kind of God it is. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning at verse 24. You got it? Because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regards. But ye have said and not all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when you fear, when your fear comes upon you. Folks, this is the God of the Bible. He is a God of love and he's a God of judgment. If you don't believe me, ask Haman. I will laugh. If you're here today and don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray you will get to know him personally before he brings fear upon you, before judgment comes upon you, and before he laughs at you. There's nothing in the world like being laughed at. There's only one thing worse than being laughed at by humans, and that is to be mocked and laughed at by God Almighty. Woo! Do you really believe the Bible? Isaiah chapter 54. Over to your right. Isaiah 54. Say amen when you get over there. Say praise the Lord when you find that verse. All right. Isaiah 54 verse 17. Look at this. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. How many of you believe that? Regardless of what anyone tries to do to you, you have a God that can intervene. You say, well, Pastor, how, what do you mean? You got cancer and you're facing death every day. How can you say that everything is good and there's no weapon for him to get? Let me give you a little secret, guys. Best thing in the world could have ever happen to me is cancer. God says anything that happens to you is for the best. It's for the good, Romans 8. Anything that's good and make you like Jesus Christ is good. No bad happens to Christians. That's things we don't want. That's things we wouldn't choose. That's things we don't want to live. That's no bad. God is awesome. There's no weapon that can be formed against us. That's down from your family to your friends to your employee, your employers, down to the economy, the president, lack of president, whatever it is. It cannot accomplish anything in your life that God don't want to accomplish. Huh? Can I get an amen, somebody? Let's go over here to the New Testament as we close. Romans chapter 12. Say, praise the Lord. Give me a good one when you get over there. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2 is my life verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you commit your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God with your reasonable service, being not conformed to this world, but you transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may prove that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Smoking. And because we are a living sacrifice, you know the difference between a living sacrifice and a dead one? I'm going to tell you what the difference. A dead sacrifice, it doesn't matter how hot it gets. It stays on the altar. A living sacrifice gets uncomfortable. He wants to crawl off. Look at verse 19. 
Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. What? I don't like that verse. Let's go from 18 to 20. <laughs> avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Who said I will repay? Oh, who said I will repay? Who said I will repay? Now, I'm going to give you a little secret. So the biggest problem that we have as Christians is we want to add three words to that, vo- that verse. What is the three words we want to add to that verse? Vengeance is mine, said the Lord, with Hutch's help. God didn't ask you. God didn't ask me. But I'm going to ask you something today. Ask you something real clear. I understand that the service is over here at 930, correct? I'm going to go a little long because I want you to love your pastor. I thought I was going to go to, I thought the service was over at 11.15. Are we really going to have a good time? <laughs> just like the other service, just walk in in the middle of our sermon. <laughs> but I want to cha- challenge you today. Is there any Christians out there that really believe God? Do you believe that he says there's no weapon formed against you? Do you believe that he's faithful? Do you believe that you can trust him in everything? Then let's quit playing games. With all eyes open, all heads up, and everybody looking around. And don't you stand unless you mean it. Because God's going to test you on if you're lying. Isn't it about time that we start being the Christian that God has called us to be? There's a world out there that needs us to stand and show them how to really walk with Christ. If you really believe that you can trust God in all things regardless of what comes your way, and you're willing to stand for that and be the Christian that is going to let people see, I'd like for you to stand right now. Don't stand if you don't mean it. Because God sees. I, I'm going to leave here and go home hopefully today. Won't have to deal with y'all anymore. I had to be back, right? God's seeing you stand. God's going to hold you accountable. But there's a world out there that needs us. To show them that there is a God alive and well. And nothing affects us. Nothing. I wish we had time to talk about Daniel. About the Medes and the Persians' law not being broken. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, and he stood. I like to talk about Daniel being in the lion's den from the lion's point of view. What do you think they're thinking? Their job is to eat folks when they drop in that den. They're sitting there looking, going, what's up? My my mouth is sealed. Man, look at him. He's glowing over there. Leo, you take the first bite. Mm Mm-mm. He's glowing. Look at him. That tells me he's radioactive. I'm not going to bite him. (laughs) Don't worry about the world. The only one we need to be concerned about is the God that we serve and the God we need to please. Father, thank you so much for these who are standing. But they are saying they want to change their lives. I want those that's here to look around and see who's standing. But we need to hold each other accountable. We need to worry 
we need to stop worrying, Lord. We need to stop complaining. We need to look at you. There's nothing in all the world, Father, that's, that's more gracious than having you say when we come before you, well done, good and faithful servant. We're going to have enough Christians that's going to be well done, Lord. We just want to be pleasing to your sight. In Jesus' name we all say, praise God.